All right, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Um, today, I'm joined once again by Jody and Coach Andrea. How's everybody doing this week? Good. Jody, how about you? Uh, I guess I'm doing pretty good. It was uh, Andrea knows. I've checked in with her, but it's been a tough week for me. Just exhausted in training, so we're doing a deload. But otherwise, it's Friday, Junior, so I can't complain. Not too eventful of a week Friday then. Um, junior. <laughs> and you guys took a Devo this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You're trying to figure that out. I don't know if it's like part hormonal or just really, which has been great, like pushing training. I think a little bit of stress as well, but I already feel a little bit better today. So no matter what, it's obvious I needed the rest. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's kind of what we've had going on this week too. Last Saturday, I, I mean, not even on purpose, but like, so like my step goal today only, I got pulled back to 10 K. We're like dropping a day of training because like training was feeling great. Cut was going super smoothly. And then for the last, like on Saturday, I got like 19,000 steps, just like I went for a walk early in the morning and then um, I've been trying to figure out how to like still like take Katie on dates and whatnot, but not have it centered around food. So we like went and got some coffee and walked around Scottsdale and just like accidentally got a ton of movement. And then since then, um, like on Sunday, my training was just, I just like hit a wall so hard and I felt terrible. And that's how the last few days have been. My digestion has been super bad as well. So, um, we again, like dropped steps down to 10 K, which is, actually now kind of hard like it's like damn that's gonna be hard to keep steps that low it's funny how quickly that can change after like being so intentional about it and again we're dropping from five days of training to just four this week so normally i would have like trained this morning and i didn't um so that's been interesting fat loss slowed or my rate of loss slowed a little bit this week i think i lost like 1.2 pounds on average which still isn't bad but i wasn't like two before but i mean we don't really think it was actually a slower rate of loss especially with like the increase in movement i think it was just um the physiological stress has been a little bit higher and again with my digestion and everything i think i've been retaining a bit more water but that's been interesting um andrea anything going on with you um training is the same diet is really the same but i've gotten like a lot more strict on just being very simple with my food um i i just have to be like extremely strict with things to see any movement i wasn't seeing any um so i really really tightened things up and kept it kept it the same every single day i mean i'm pretty routine anyway but um that improved my digestion a ton i actually saw a couple really, I think three now pounds down on the scale, just with like floating going down and stuff like that. So, um, that was cool. Cause it's been like a very slow grind with seeing the scale move at all. So, uh, that was nice training. I haven't, we've, we've kept it the same since I started. So I'm going on three months of the same training, which I don't mind repeating it. Um, but it's, it's like metabolic phase. So it's not like, resting a lot, really pushing. I mean, it's not like the same type of metabolic phase is like what you're thinking of. Like it's just more supersets, higher reps. And he said, it's like more like metabolic. So I'm not resting a ton between sets. 
and really like pushing it to one RIR. Everything is like four to five. So I am kind of antsy to push myself harder. That's that's the only thing with that. But um, we are going to Destination Dallas next week. So I have the green light to push myself and (laughs) have fun with those workouts. That's going to be awesome. Let's go. I'm sorry to hear that. So are you guys just keeping it at four to five RAR due to where your health markers were? Yeah, just to keep stress lower. So that, and that's why the, all of the metabolic type training too, just to keep overall volume lower. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Do you know about like what, so as a, as a whole, you've dropped three pounds so far in this fat loss phase. Is that right? Uh, four. Okay. Yeah, four. And has that been like through the entire three months you've been trying to lose or is that more recent? No, no, that's more recent. It's been, I think, six weeks. Okay. 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 That's not terrible for four pounds in six weeks. Isn't too bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not bad on average. It was just like most of it all at once. <laughs> gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. That can definitely make it feel a little bit different then. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, so not too much to get into this week. It doesn't sound like, are you guys ready for our questions? Yeah. yeah let's do it. Andrea, before cool. I hit off the first question, do you have any big birthday plans? Your birthday is next Tuesday. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's why we're going to Dallas actually. So we're going to go uh, without the kids, which is, it's just funny how the timing lined up because it's actually their second and third days of school. So I, I felt kind of bad for leaving at that time, but we can only walk Tate into school the first day. And after that, we're not allowed to. (laughs) So really it's just like, we're, we're right across from the school. So it's like, see ya on the front step. And then pick them up afterwards so i'm not missing out on anything there but yeah that's what we're doing for my birthday so awesome Awesome. all right well first question uh when going into a surplus does it matter when you get your extra calories should they come from multiple meals or is should the extra calories be from one larger meal so that surplus being at breakfast lunch or dinner Yeah. So here, I mean, the few things when we're in a building phase, the few things that are going to be the most important is one, your protein timing, right? So basically what we want to make sure of is that you are doing a good job spacing your protein throughout the day. So basically we know, like, um, I think we talked about this on last week's podcast as well, but we know that muscle protein synthesis basically comes down to, we need to have what we call our muscle, muscle building comes down to, a positive net protein balance, which basically means we need to make sure that muscle protein synthesis is consistently happening at a, or over the course of a day, week, whatever time frame we would have put on it, muscle protein synthesis is happening at a quicker rate than muscle protein breakdown, right? So basically we know that when we're going to eat somewhere around mm, 20 to 40 grams of protein for most people, we're going to increase the rate of muscle protein synthesis for about three hours, and then it's going to drop back down to its baseline level, right? So we know that like from a protein perspective, like an easy way to look at this is basically just like, let's say we're trying to eat, let's say you're eating four meals in a day. Let's say that you are eating one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Okay. Just eat 0.25 grams of protein per meal. That's something that we want to be in consist. We want to be consistent. We don't want to have like having to eat two super large, like 70 grams of protein meals. And then my latter two meals are going to be like 10 grams of protein each, for example. We would want to avoid that. Next, we also know that 
when it comes to like your ability to train hard, having some carbs in your pre-workout meal is going to be advantageous there. There's a decent amount of research that backs this up, even from like the like carbohydrate rinsing, like mouth, mouth rinsing studies where they literally just had them like rinse their mouth as a carb solution and spit it out. Even then they still saw increased training performance in those individuals, right? So we do know that like having plenty of carbs in the pre-workout meal is going to help you train harder. If you're, uh, if you're under fuel going into that session, you're probably going to be a little bit more lightheaded. You won't be able to push it as hard. So you will have trouble like creating the stimulus we want for muscle growth. And then post-workout, we know that getting in a decent amount of carbs is going to help decrease cortisol levels, which will push your body in a more anabolic state to help build muscle. We also know that like in this peri-workout window, so like when you're training and post-training, that's going to be the time when you're most insulin sensitive, right? So more of those carbs that you're taking in will be shuttled to your muscle tissue. So within that, from like a nutrient partitioning perspective and making sure that we're optimizing like the ratio of muscle gain to fat gain, it makes sense for one, us to make sure that our protein is spaced pretty evenly across the course of the day. And then two, a pretty good rule of thumb is to make sure we're eating like right around, I would typically would say about 50% of our daily carb intake between the pre intra and post-workout meals, right? So within that, like if you have those two components in place, then the way we space your calories out across the course of the rest of the day isn't going to be that big of a deal. Now, like where you could sabotage yourself, um, for example, like a lot of clients will start coaching and we'll talk through like, what is your, what is your pre-workout and post-workout nutrition look like? And a lot of times it's like, Hey, I'll go train fasted. I'll go train at like 5 to 6 a.m. And then I won't eat my first meal until noon. Right now within that, we know you're not going to be able to train as hard. We know there's hours and hours where like since we've trained, muscle, muscle protein synthesis will like be somewhat stimulated by training, but so will muscle protein breakdown. So within that, like we're not going to be doing ourselves any favors for those next like in that case, four to five hours of not giving your body any of the things that it needs to recover. So within that, like if you were in a situation where like you're training super early, you're going fasted, you're not having any food around that, that would actually yield a pretty big difference like over the course of a month or like three to six months of how much muscle you were actually able to build. So within that, like I think if we're looking at, okay, do I have adequate protein and do I, am I doing a pretty decent job of biasing a good amount of my carbs in this peri-workout window? past that it really doesn't matter that much like does it all need to be in one big meal it's perfectly fine for us to like have a larger meal later in the day and then maybe your lunch is like a little bit smaller meal but that's kind of how i would approach that do you have any other thoughts on that andrea i think that pretty much covers it i think the only other thing when you're looking at things um to, to individualize it like that that is how you would lay it out for it to be like really dialed in and then beyond that the consideration would be what's realistic for you and your day and what are your hunger patterns like and what's your digestion like so the question of should you split it up between three meals is with a building phase usually not just because of digestion like your calories are already going to be um, to the point where you're not going to be super hungry. So if you're trying to stuff all of that into three meals in a day, it's most likely plus getting like all of fruits and veggies that you need and all of the fiber, then most likely it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable to digest those three meals. So just breaking it up uh, because of that alone is worth it. Uh, but for some people uh, having too many meals is like 
too much meal prep for them practically, or you can um, look at where, where am I going to be hungry? So as a baseline, I'll always help break things down fairly evenly and then uh, look at where are your, where is your hunger the highest and where is it the lowest? So for a lot of people, it's going to be breakfast. So if that's not a pre-workout meal, then you can pare that down a little bit to and leave your protein there, but uh, pare it down and remove a little bit of the carbohydrate, maybe at that meal and add that to a time later in the day, whenever you're more hungry or even just less uh, busy and you can put more of your food there. But I mean, I think that pretty much covers everything. So, yeah. All right, good. Next question. Can you build muscle at maintenance? Does body fat matter? I want to see definition, but I don't want to get smaller. Who wants to take that one first? I'll dig into this one as we were just talking about this before as well. So you can for sure you can for sure build muscle at maintenance body fat is going to be an important factor of this um so the one caveat to that is if you are extremely lean right so let's say like you got to photo shoot level of condition or you're like a you're a woman that's below like 15 to 12 percent body fat or a man probably somewhere below 10 percent body fat we have a certain, like to a certain extent, extent, once we get to a certain level of leanness, our body isn't going to prioritize adding back muscle tissue because a lot of like our hormones that we need for health are literally going to come from the amount of fat. Many of our hormones come from like actually our fat cells and the amount of fat we have on our frame, right? So we need a certain amount of fat just to be healthy. So when we're below a certain body fat floor, our body's going to prioritize adding back fat over muscle just to be healthy so if you're like extremely lean and this isn't this really isn't an important most people probably aren't in this place but it's like if we're like just getting done with a bodybuilding show for example and we're trying to like stay at maintenance at a very similar level to like how we entered the show then we would really struggle to build there past that on the flip side what i would say is if body fat is too high um, and it's, I don't really love to put numbers on this, but I would say like for most men above like 18 to 20% body fat or most women above like 30 to 35% body fat, we again know like your metabolic health might just not be quite as good. Your insulin sensitivity and your nutrient partitioning might not be quite as good. So you could still build muscle, but again, it wouldn't be quite as like a productive of a process if you were just a bit leaner. So within that, again, what I would say is like, if you're outside of either of those ranges, I would probably look to be within those ranges before we start to build. Now, from there, like you can for sure build muscle at maintenance. Now, the thing with this is like we do know the rate of muscle protein synthesis, I believe, is elevated by 17%, I think is a number, slightly elevated when we are in a slight surplus versus when we are at maintenance, right? So this is, I would say in a scenario like this, if it's like a client that is trying to stay leaner. And I know we discussed this on our team call as well, but probably I would take an approach where, hey, maybe on your rest days, we are keeping your calories at maintenance. And then on your training days, we're like what at what we estimate is to be a slight surplus. But again, if it's an individual where like, hey, you're relatively new to this, maybe it does seem there's still a decent amount of recomp on the table. Because if, if we're at maintenance, we're at this place where they're not 
they're not gaining fat, but they are building muscle. That is going to be a body recomposition, right? Because they're going to be adding muscle tissue, but they're not going to be adding fat tissue. So the percentage of muscle, the fat is going to improve. So within that, I might do something like, hey, maybe we're going to aim for like a slight surplus on your training days and maybe your rest days are going to be at maintenance. But rather than necessarily pushing hard for a specific rate of gain, we're going to be looking at how is your progression in the logbook? Are you progressing over time? How's your biofeedback? Is hunger in a manageable place? We'll typically want to see that like a two out of five or lower. Um, is your motivation to train good? Is your energy good? Is your recovery good? Within your training, are pumps and disruption in a good place as well and where we would expect them to be, right? And if we're seeing someone progress well within that, then we'll also typically see like over time, yeah, you're getting stronger, your progress pictures are changing, your body measurements are changing. So it, it's absolutely doable at maintenance. It's not going to be the most optimal scenario and i think like the more advanced you get the more muscle you already have the more it gets to be like hey we just need to consistently spend more time in a slight surplus to continue to build but it's also to kind of depend on where the client's at yeah even in a true build building takes so much patience so i think that the biggest thing is just to make sure that you're extremely patient if you're trying to build muscle at maintenance because it's going to be really slow and um visually it's going to be a lot more difficult to see changes like in a given time frame so making sure that you have like your pair workout nutrition dialed in and then just stay really patient and work hard in your training i think you're the big rocks yeah absolutely I almost think like sometimes not having the scale go up can be a little bit more challenging for people when the goal is building. If people and it depends, right? For some people, that's it. seeing the scale go up is the hardest thing. But on the flip side, of where it's like you have to be very focused on like, is my training progressing? Am I truly hitting PRs? Am I truly like using a very similar tempo? Is it not just my t technique is deteriorating? Because it is going to be, and it's also get, again going to depend on how advanced the client is. So like I know. I know in the context of the person, this question is being asked around. Um, I do think like she has the, the ability to still recomp because this is one of our clients who has just spent a good amount of time in fat loss. She's made great progress in fat loss, but her just eating like 500, 600 calories more than she is currently in building, like that in itself is going to be a lot more fuel coming in. So I think, but again, like as she gets more and more advanced, it will like take more and more patience if you want to continue to just like, I want to like just hang out at maintenance and build. Makes sense. Any other thoughts? Not on my end, Andrea. Cool. No. All right. Next question. I'm struggling with my sleep. I know it's important for fat loss and muscle growth. Can you share any tips? You want me to take this one? Take it away. Start us off, Andrea. All right. There are a ton of things that you can do to improve sleep. And I think that the thing that you want to do whenever you're listening to this is not get overwhelmed and just pick what you feel like is like your weak link and, and start with that and, and try that one thing and see if it helps rather than going, Oh my gosh, I have to overhaul my whole like hour before bed and change my sleeping environment, and all of that. So, um, with, not being able to fall asleep. Um, a lot of times the, the thing that you'll want to look at is how much caffeine are you having earlier in the day and what time are you cutting that off? Um, if you're pretty sensitive to caffeine, that means you're going to have to go a little bit lighter on it and cut it off earlier. Caffeine has a half-life of, I think it's eight hours. Is that right? 
So that means eight hours later, half of the caffeine is still in your system. So you really want to, is that, did I say that wrong? <laughs> I think it might be four hours actually. Four hours. Okay. So it takes eight, eight hours for it to get out of your system. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. Or you know, for it, it caps every four hours. Okay. Pretty anyway, sure. it takes a long time. <laughs> So that means half of it is gone out of your system after that amount of time. And then after that amount of time, another half of that half is gone. Anyway, it takes a long time. It take, it stays in your system for a while. So if you're drinking coffee with your like afternoon snack or like trying to have like a pick me up at three in the afternoon, then it's probably going to start to disturb your sleep. Um, so I would definitely cut that off fairly early in the day um, if you're not able to fall asleep. Another big reason that I've seen people not be able to fall asleep is kind of like these spinning thoughts. So if you're someone that just lays there and stews on things from the day, a brain dump journal can be really helpful or along with that, maybe a, uh, like a to-do list for the next day. Basically it's just taking all of the things that are sending around in your brain and dumping it out on a paper. Cause a lot of times you lay there at night and like not wanting to forget something, but you also don't want to get up to write it down. So you just proactively do the brain dump before you go to bed. That can really help with those spinning thoughts. Um, another one is, um, stress. So, if you are highly stressed, then you're, uh, it's, sometimes it prevents you from falling asleep. A lot of times it's going to mean that you're waking up throughout the night. So if that's something that you notice, then um, a lot of times it's like the cortisol rhythm is off. So your cortisol is supposed to peak in the morning and that's what wakes you up. And that should be at your lowest at night to go to sleep. But if you are really highly stressed, then you have cortisol spiking throughout the day and um, you're not able to like have that normal cortisol rhythm and fall asleep and stay asleep. So getting a handle on that can be really helpful. And that can be a number of factors there. So either addressing the root problem of your stress or just reframing the stressors in your life because you're not going to always be able to pull away all of the stressors. A lot of times it's going to be about reframing your thoughts around it and dealing, like coping with those things. Um, one of the things that I really like for reducing stress and getting into a parasympathetic state right before bed is deep breathing. So if you do eight to 10 deep breaths where you're inhaling and then holding your breath for a beat and then acting very slowly, that kind of slows your heart rate down and puts you into a parasympathetic state. And so that is, that's your rest and digest state. So that allows you to fall asleep a little bit easier. Um, so I, I recommend that to a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that you can do that's extremely helpful is put some of these things together in a routine and then stick to that routine each night at the same time in the same order. So I'll always say to clients like this can be thing. It doesn't have to be those parasympathetic activities, but including at least one of those is helpful. And um, then the other things, it doesn't matter. It could be like cleaning your face or taking a shower or brushing your teeth. Like those things are part of your routine. But if you do them at the same time in the same order, then your body gets into this like rhythm. And it's like that Pavlov's dog uh, response where, you start to do those things. So you start to get sleepy and your body just kind of associates it with that. So um, that's something that I really highly recommend. And I'll have clients, um, I'll give some examples of what different things that you can do. 
to include in that and then say like, Hey, what's your routine? Like personalize this to you and then send it back to me and let me see it. Yeah. That's what I got. What do you think, Jeremiah? I think that's really, really good. Um, with, with all that, uh, the only other thing I would add is like very similar to what you said with Pavlov's dogs. I always tell people like, Hey, don't touch, like your bed should only be for sleep and sex. Right. So basically, um, within that, if you're like working from your bed, even if you're like reading in bed before, like you were then like trying to fall asleep, trying to fall asleep, I will normally tell people like, Hey, until you're ready to go to bed, don't do anything in your bed. Because within that very similarly, like we can train our brains. Hey, when I get, when I get in bed, my bed is for sleep, right? But if we are like working from your bed all day, we can completely throw that off. That's that's something that seems very simple, but it does make a big difference for a lot of clients. Um, and I also think like, as you said, just looking at it as, am I having trouble falling asleep? Okay, if you're having trouble falling asleep, it's typically going to be either A, your stimulant intake throughout the day, um, Maybe you're like thinking about something to where they're like just writing that to do list is very helpful. I've had a lot of clients just literally like leave a notepad by their bed. So if like something does come up, hey, just write it down on the notepad. You don't have to like try to like I need to make sure I remember this tomorrow. Um, or else you're you're spending too much time in your bed throughout the day. Um, if you're having trouble staying asleep, then it's typically hey, there's something that we need to address with stress, right? And then alongside everything you mentioned there, which I think like the journaling is supremely helpful um we can also look at like even within training sometimes when somebody just really needs a deload sometimes sometimes like disrupted sleep will be a sign of that as well um we can also look at things like magnesium are going to be helpful from both a stress management perspective and a sleep perspective so typically like somewhere around 300 to 400 milligrams um before bed even melatonin can some can also be something that's helpful can kind of help re-regulate that cortisol and melatonin curve. So basically melatonin is going to be one of the hormones that makes you sleepy. Melatonin and cortisol kind of work on this inverse, um, kind of have this inverse relationship, whereas melatonin spikes, cortisol is supposed to come down and vice versa. So that can kind of help in that regard. But past that, I don't really have much else to add there. I just wanted so to add magnesium. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. You finish that thought. With magnesium, if um, you're someone who has restless legs, magnesium helps a lot. That can be super annoying laying there trying to fall asleep and having like your legs kick around. Um, With melatonin, I wanted to also note um, like half to three milligrams is usually what I'll recommend because you can find like 10 milligram melatonins (laughs) at the grocery store and that's way too high. I think it's even been shown that the higher doses don't they actually don't help more. They are not as helpful as the low doses. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. And then cutting off water before bed is going to be really helpful too. Like a couple hours before going to bed, cutting water off. And then um, we learned from Brandon was uh, having some sodium before bed. And that will um, keep you from having to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I'll typically, I'll typically do that as well. Well, I'll make sure I get plenty of salt in like, whatever my last meal of the day is just because otherwise, and that, I mean, it's a combination of all these things, but I know that's helped my sleep a lot where like, if you find yourself having to pee a lot at night and again, a lot of times like it's, Hey, a lot of times it's these other things that are actually the issue rather than like you're drinking too much water. It's just like you're a lighter sleeper. So these, these things you're waking up easier to these. Yeah. You have to go 
because you wake up, not you're not waking up because you have to go. Right, right, exactly. So, but yeah, that can that can absolutely help as well. I was going to add too, just screen time before bedtime. I know that was something that I eliminated prior to bedtime where if you're scrolling on your phone before bed, I think the effects from the blue light, right? That kind of creates like an, an alertness in your brain. It stimulates kind of like a daylight sensation. And then not only that, I think it just it, it kind of keeps your mind engaged um, when you're on the phone. So that's something that I cut out when I coached with Jeremiah years ago, he recommended that. And that alone seemed to be a big difference for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Watching the kind of like, if you're watching suspenseful stuff before bed, that will keep you up too. Like we have to really pay attention to the kind of stuff we watch because uh, I can't remember. I think it was like Jack Reacher or one of those like military kind of a things. And it was like, I just can't sleep after we watch this. It's a good show, but like it too, it, there's too much action and then you're just wired and can't fall asleep. Yeah. That's- I can't watch like scary stuff for sure. And uh, my, my bar for like what's scary is it like, have you guys seen the show Midnight Mass? No. Okay. We do. We let Jeremiah down on TV shows all of the time. (laughs) Neither of you have watched New Girl either, have you? No. I've seen a few episodes. I know, Jeremiah. Listen, you know you're going to strike out anytime you ask us about a TV show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, we were watching the show Midnight Mass, which it's 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 actually like super interesting and mysterious and spooky. But it was like there was this one night Katie and I were watching this and it was like we were both just having nightmares all night. And it's like, all right, we, <laughs> we can't finish this. So anyways, I didn't really have much else to add there. What's the next <laughs> question we got? Great story. Um, la- oh, two more questions. Uh, someone is entering a reverse diet. So they're going into a reverse diet. They need a diet break. Do you give them a week at maintenance? And then from there, you pull the calories back and start the reverse? I personally would typically just start the reverse and just be a little bit more... Um, a little bit less conservative on the reverse versus just like taking a diet break and then entering there. I think transitioning from a diet break to a reverse diet would make it pretty hard because typically our calories are going to be a little bit higher. And I think like from a mental perspective, I also think typically like in a diet break to really be back in a good place mentally, most people typically need two weeks. So from my perspective, I would probably just like Hey, maybe we're going to be a little bit more, a little bit less conservative with the first week of the reverse diet. Um, really focus on restoring biofeedback. And, but no, I, I personally wouldn't take like a, I personally wouldn't go diet breaking into the reverse diet. I don't know. Do you have a different thoughts on that, Andrea? No, I usually wouldn't either. I've only done that one time and it was just because it was someone that was really struggling with. Um, the thought of bringing calories back up and seeing the weight gain. And so with somebody like that, I will typically take this, the reverse a lot more slow. So because of that, and she really needed a diet break at that time, we went ahead and did a diet break, then came back and started the reverse fairly low. Yeah. I think a lot of times, like when something like that is needed, I'll also look to manipulate training over, because like a lot of times what I, 
that would be a scenario where like, hey, maybe we are going to go into like a local metabolic phase for a week. And this is going to be a much less intense period of training. We are going to focus on just short overload movements. Or maybe we're just going to take like a full deload for this week, right? Where a lot of times I'll like focus on, I think like mentally, like keeping everything in check and avoiding like excess fat gain. I think there is a little bit easier than like the transition from like a, from a deficit to a diet break to then the reverse diet, I think it's just a very hard transition to make mentally. Yeah. I have a follow-up question with that. Would you even consider, I mean, I, I know typically with some of our clients, you know, you're, you're adding in, in that reverse, maybe 200 calories, right. From, uh, you know, a day from, from the start, would you even add in like a cheat meal? So just like a, a free meal, um, just to, I don't know, give them that freedom or just to give them a little more flexibility. I might do like a refeed. Yeah. Maybe that was gonna. That was the other thought is like you could potentially do like if you really felt like they needed like a little bit more flexibility to like that, I might do a refeed and maybe it's like even we're just going to focus on calories and protein, right? We're purely trying to get psychological benefits here, none of the physiological benefits. Um, but I would still typically encourage like, hey, this is tracked. And then maybe it is like, so maybe we have two higher calorie days there and then we're entering the reverse diet. Um, I personally don't really find that like giving someone a free meal and I really like to frame it as a free meal over a cheat meal typically. I really don't find that the first few weeks of the reverse diet that typically goes very well. Um, Do you have a different thought on that, Andrea? I, again, not usually, but I have had people who I've implemented that with just because I felt like it was a progression for them to be able to include something like that and not stress about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not usually. I normally like to like, pers- like in the most ideal world. And again, the thing to understand here is this is going to depend so much on the client, right? So if it's like, man, I think it's either like we give them a free meal or they're not going to be able to hear this to this at all. Okay. We'll for sure go with the free meal, right? It's like kind of like the, where, where it is optimal, optimal practical. Um, but I would say like, otherwise, if we're like introducing free meals in the first week and it's already like, I can make our data pretty messy where like, we don't really know hey, what changes did we actually see here? Did we actually, it's so hard to distinguish like, hey, are we like where we need to be calorically this week? Because that is going to typically cause a large fluctuations in weight, especially if it's something that's untracked. I would say typically I would prefer to at least give it a couple of weeks into the reverse diet before we start introducing free meals. All right, great. Um, last question. I'm really curious on what your answers will be to this. Uh, this person asked, what do I do between rest periods when training? Andrea, what do you do? Uh, I'm usually I like, like analyze your answers here. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm keeping rest times pretty short right now, but I'll usually just kind of like seep the garage and put things away from the previous exercise or help the kids with whatever exercise they're trying to do at that moment. So it just depends. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Andrea, Nick, your husband is the one who asked this. He said, what do you do between your sets? So I assume he already is probably pretty in the know with that. I, I've been 
pacing between my sets. I'll set my, t- well, I mean, what I'll do is I'll set my timer for like half of my rest period because I train in my garage. I'll walk into- down the street until that expires and then I'll walk back and start my set. That's honestly, that helps so much because like that helps. I think that's like one of the lowest hanging fruit with steps that people miss easily. That's always something I'm trying to get clients on is like, we're resting two to three minutes between sets. Like three minutes is you can easily get 300 steps in in three minutes, right? If you have, if you have three sets with three minutes rest in between, that's like an extra thousand steps that you can add to your day right there. So as of now with my step goal being so high outside of today, um, I'm super intentional about just making sure that I'm pacing in between sets. Um, I think that, you feel like that, that helps your recovery. I mean, I'm not pacing. I don't think it really makes a big difference. I will say that like, so I have before I train, I train pretty early. So before I train, I drink 50 grams of protein from whey and 25 grams of highly or 25 grams of carbs from highly branched cyclic dextrin. And I have like this pump powder in there as well. And then intra workout, I train, I drink another 25 grams of highly branched cyclic dextrin. Um, and I do, it does help me digest that quicker. So I'll feel a little bit better in my training because I'm digesting that quicker. Now, if you don't train, like if you don't train too early, I, that's not a problem most people run into, but I do find that it does help from the digestion perspective versus if I'm just like sitting there and scrolling on my phone. Um, and definitely when I'm not like intentional about that then what I would do is just like sit there and scroll on my phone. So I think it's definitely a lot more positive as a whole, but like adding that, doing like a 30 minute walk first thing in the morning and then doing like 15 minutes so i have cardio every day right now it's 15 minutes um or else 15 minutes on my training days 30 minutes on my rest days just incline walking and doing like that plus the incline walking and the 30 minute walk first thing in the morning that has me like every day by 9 a.m i'm already at like 10k steps so it's it does it does make a pretty big difference there Andrea, I'm really happy. I'm really happy to hear that I'm not the only one that sweeps the garage between sets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's two birds. <laughs> two, birds two birds in the air, you might as well. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I um, need to get on that. I haven't cleaned my garage floor in like I don't think I don't know if I've cleaned this as we moved in actually. And it's so now that I'm training, now that I'm doing my steps, it's I wear shoes out there, but before I like always had to train barefoot and my feet would just get so dirty. It was just, I, I don't know. Katie was not impressed with it, but anyways. Um, I, I'm very similar to you guys. I actually, I have a desk job during the day, so I am, I do not get as many steps. I have to work to get my steps. So I find myself to be pretty deliberate on, um, just walking between sets. So a lot of times, if you've ever seen me post uh, any workouts, my son is shooting hoops in the driveway. So, um, sometimes I'll just like, even like shoot a basket. It's crazy how many steps you get from shooting basketball. It's been blowing my mind. Cause I've been a little more deliberate with that, um, with him, but I know there's, especially like- if you miss and you have to go chase it down, <laughs> and I miss which I always do. Yes. I miss a lot. He did not get his skill for me before. Um, but I do have some of my sets are like 30 seconds rest period. So usually I'm just like holding the weights on my lap <laughs> and watching the timer. Yeah. It for sure. Like I brand prescribes a lot longer rest periods than what I had previously. 
And it is definitely a lot bigger difference. Whereas before I, my rest periods were mostly 60 to 90 seconds. And I feel the same way where like, then it's like, I'm just hanging on right now. Like I can get my steps in later. I'm just going to chill for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all we have for the week. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to add. Um, I think that is all from me. Andrea, you good? Yeah. Maybe Nick will ask me a question next week. He's asked both of you two the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. So as always, we appreciate y'all tuning in. If you want to apply for coaching with our team, hit the link in the show notes. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating and review, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya.